podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, simpletons. What's up, patrons? We're here with Ken Coleman. His new book is called From Paycheck to Purpose. Ken, we got so much to talk about. I actually want to read some stuff from the book. We do this little segment called More About Less. Mm. And so there's some stuff on page 5, page 25, page 32 I want to talk about. Before we do that... I have this article from The Atlantic, and I know you've been talking about this a bit on your show. The Great Resignation is Accelerating. A lasting effect of this pandemic will be a revolution in worker expectations. Mm. And so I'm not going to read the whole article. We will put a link to it in the show notes. But as a jump-off point, Ken, let me just read this. This is uh, The author says, I first noticed that something weird was happening this past spring. In April, the number of workers who quit their job in a single month broke an all-time U.S. record. Economists called it the Great Resignation. But America's quitting... Spirit was getting was just getting started. In July, even more people left their job. In August, quitters set yet another record. Is that the great resignation? It just keeps getting greater. And so it goes on to talk about nearly 7% of employees in the accommodation and food services sector left their jobs. One in 14 hotel clerks, restaurant servers, and bar backs mm. said sayonara in a single month. And there was a stat I read recently, Ken, that said 40%, this is from Bloomberg, a Bloomberg survey found that nearly half the workers under 40 said they might leave their job unless their employer lets them continue to work from home. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't understand that. I hate working from home. (laughs) I have a daughter. and Me too. It's not my bag. But I also understand there are people who want it, and I respect that. Mm -hmm. And if the work Mm -hmm. can be done from home, wonderful. Mm -hmm. In fact, our whole team here is like, we have to come in for this. We can't do this remotely. But like, if Sean is editing the episode at home, I don't care where he does. He can come in for that. But the the thing to think about here is people's preferences are coming to the forefront. And so this isn't a bad or a good thing, but it is an indicator of something changing. Yeah, I if if I could uh, get all of the media outlets on the phone at one time, I'd say let's stop calling it the Great Resignation and let's start calling it the Great Revelation. Mm. That's what's happening. Mm. Okay? Let's talk about it. So, COVID happens, and globally, the entire human race, right, in your modern you know countries, first world countries specifically, dramatic change. Yeah. Everything about our life is full stop hit the brakes everybody's going home Mm. people were furloughed people were laid off people had to go home their kids were home Uh, the amount of professional women who had to step out of their roles right just to be full-time mom because of the forced change that the pandemic brought on the whole world no one was immune to it everybody had to deal with massive change so when something like that is forced on you, you are forced to confront and deal with change. Whereas most of the time we humans don't like change because what does change really mean? It means the unknown pain, discomfort, uh, unknown pain, like, Oh, 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 what's around the other corner. We would rather be miserable than uncomfortable. This is what we know about the human condition. That's just all of us. You can tweet that podcast. That's actually really good. I'm going to write that down. No, but, but, but so, okay. So that's what's going on. So, when we as humans are forced to confront change, then we start going, well, 
okay, we survived. It may not have been great or ideal, but we're, we're okay, we're here. So now we start getting more comfortable with change. That's one storm kind of over on this, this side. Yeah. The other storm was we were also confronted with tickers on the television screen. Broken, I mean, breaking news. People dying, <laughs> record deaths. Yeah. I mean, mortality yeah. shoved in our face. Mm-hmm. That was the other storm. Mm. So massive change. Mortality, just like when we go to, you know, funerals, you know, those are very reflective times when a child is born. When we confront our lives and the preciousness of our lives and the uncertainty of our lives, we then go, hmm, what do I want with my life? Mm. So those two storms came together Wow! at one time in history. And that's what I mean by the great revelation. People are going, I can do more. I don't have to wait tables. I can open up an Etsy shop. Uh, I can start a business. I can go drive delivery and listen to my favorite podcast all day long instead of stand on my feet. The great revelation is what's really going on. And so when you see industries like hospitality, you, those are your hotels, your your restaurants and things like that, those were your um lower wage kind of entry level positions anyway. And now there's more jobs that are available. So everybody's kind of scratching their head going, what's going on? Are people just sitting at home not working? No, that's not true. Because you have 10.4 million jobs, 8.3 million people unemployed. So that that's a math problem. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, is there's more jobs available. The economy has changed. You guys represent that. This is not a traditional job. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, you guys created your entire business and channel everything that you do i just think that the world has changed rapidly with you know the more technology jobs that are available people can start their own businesses so that's what's going on the great revelation is people are going huh life is really really short life is really really precious i don't want to just work a job and so that's what's going on yeah Yeah. And, and so when people are resigning, some of them are resigning and doing something else. They're going to something. Right. They're, they're not running away from something necessarily. They're running to something. There are other people who are just throwing their hands up and saying, hey, I would rather just collect unemployment, screw all of this, whatever. I think there was that. Right, right. now, that's gone. Right. So yeah. over the next couple of months, I think that's a very good point. The next two, three months, we're going to see. We're going to see what's shaken out because the federal unemployment insurance ended in all 50 states mm-hmm. Labor Day. So now we're seeing the shakeout. What's going to happen? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. If you get unemployment, that means you were laid off. You didn't choose to leave, correct? Like you have to be laid off in order to do that. Right. But there was a period of time where people were forcefully laid off or effectively laid off. You know, think about our three favorite restaurants in LA. Two of them went out of business. And and one of them, their business is down over 80% at this point. And and so when you think, and the people we knew who worked there, most of them had to leave because they were furloughed for a period of time. And even Ryan and I, we own a coffee shop that employs 14 people. We had to furlough 12 of them at one period of time early on because Mm. we couldn't even open the doors at some point. Now, we brought them back and and found ways to reincorporate them into the business, and thankfully, we were able to make it work with all of them. But a lot of businesses weren't, and a lot of them just went out of business. I see. So you're saying they were furloughed, and because of the unemployment, because of the the tax credits or whatever it Mm -hmm. is, um, it kept them 
uh, unemployed, it, it, it like was almost incentive for them not to go. Well, that was absolutely yeah. true okay. in your yeah. lower wage. You know, so you think of your amusement parks, your your vacation, the travel leisure, mm-hmm. uh, anything like that. Those are the hardest hit, by the way. I mean, that's where yeah. we're still seeing people can't hire anybody. Well, what's competing with that job? And so we've also seen coming out of the pandemic, we saw governmental policies, uh, suggestions, if you will. And so you saw major companies like Walmart and Target raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And then they're offering tuition, reimbursement, full tuition. Wow. So the game has changed and companies have got to raise the level of what they're offering. And I would tell you this, uh, what's interesting to see how you guys pivoted with your coffee shop because there are policies, governmental policies, quite frankly, in certain States, it's not a political statement. It's a fact. Yeah. You just couldn't open up. Right. So you were limited and even, you know, to curbside pickup and all that kind of stuff. But I think of the experiential, which I know you guys care deeply about the experiential is still going to win. That's right. And yeah. so the restaurants that are offering an experience, mm-hmm. they'll still thrive. But I think chain restaurants, Fast food, all that, it's going to have to adapt to a quick serve and everything being automated. So there, yeah. there's a shifting going on right now. I saw, I saw like this big like chicken corporation. I, I don't know which one it was. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but they literally had to uh, bring in like the executives mm-hmm. to work the actual stores because they – did you hear about this? Oh, no, wow. It's, I mean, isn't that unbelievable? I mean, it just – it's just another point adding yep. to this whole thing. Yeah. Well, and, and so I think what you're hinting at here is – A lot of these jobs, people didn't find purpose in. It wasn't paycheck and purpose. It was paycheck, even though there was no purpose there. And what people, what this indicates, this great resignation or great revelation that's really happening is, oh, what am I doing here? I I, I don't see any path to purpose. Mm -hmm. I don't see this work to be particularly meaningful. I don't see it serving the greater good. It's not meaningful to me. It's not really meaningful to someone else. I mean, I think about our team here and and our extended team who live in multiple states. One of the things that we want to do, we we pay people well, but also it goes beyond the paycheck, Mm -hmm. right? Because I I know that that some of, of these people could go and make more money pushing buttons frantically. Oh, yeah. With less meaning. Mm hmm. Less autonomy, yeah. less mastery, yeah. right? And and so that's not what we're, that's not what we, what's on offer here. What's on offer is yes, let's take the money thing off the table. It's not going to be the most money you're going to make, but let's take that off the table. But what else are you trying to get from this? Yes. How can we help you thrive even outside of this work environment? Because if you are thriving outside of this environment, when you come here, you're also going to want to contribute. That's exactly right. A couple things there that, that I want to point out that you said are really, really, really good. Uh, number one, as companies go, leaders are going to have to provide people not a job, but a ladder. And so, I mean, you're going to have to develop these people. You're going to have to train them, not just for the job, give them other you know, resources so they can see that an opportunity with you is an opportunity to pursue their dream. Yeah. Okay. That's really important. It may not be the dream job, but it is on the ladder or it represents a ladder because the reality is a lot of people, you know, 4.3 million people left their jobs in August setting the record again. And a lot of them are going for a higher paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. But at some point, you know, you have to wrestle with the data from a new study that we're about ready to release. And I can tease this little stat, nearly 50% of people would take a pay cut. 
to actually do something that mattered to them. Yeah, that's right. And again, I mean, you know, this isn't an opinion. This book isn't an opinion. You know, this is an experience that I've lived and I know what the data says. So when people would consider a pay cut, what's going on there? And that, again, is we long to find meaning in our work. Mm. And so when we can begin to understand that, we go, okay, it's okay to feel that. It's okay to step into something new. And then leaders have got to say, and business owners have got to go, hey, I've got to attach some purpose to this paycheck so they can see, oh, I'm going to move up in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what's going on. uh, And people are just going, there's more. And they're trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, We literally took a pay cut. To do what we do. Yeah, like a 90% pay cut when we first walked away from the corporate world. But we're paid exponentially more in purpose. And and so like it was... You've been there. You've been in the soul-sucking corporate job. Without a doubt. You know, Ryan and I climbed the corporate ladder. And, you know, ironically, I was in charge of 150 retail stores. uh, and, And yet, like, it didn't feel... In fact, it felt the opposite of purpose. It felt like we were scam is the word that comes to mind yeah it, it, yeah it, even though like it wasn't technically a scam it just felt scammy it did well it's funny because like earlier i talked about how uh in, in the minimal episode i talked about how f- you know i wanted to find a way uh to help people and then kind of went into how every job we do is helping people and mm. long story short we were helping people in a way that we did not want to help people with this scam essentially <laughs> yeah and it felt like we were just trying to extract money from their yeah. checking account by any means legally possible mm-hmm. yep and yeah. that just didn't feel good it's the reason we we start our episodes with uh, uh, this episode of the minimalist is brought to you by nobody because advertisements suck now here's the thing there there are maybe two or three examples of people who do marketing and advertising well that come to mind for me and yeah. the ramsey folks are one of them mm-hmm. and so it's because I was talking to Dave about this last time we were in town. He won't take on anything that he doesn't believe in himself, right? And now he's built up the the trust and the cachet to be able to say, hey, look, I stand behind this. This is actually a company I Mm -hmm. use myself. And so... Ryan and I can appreciate that because most people will say, well, yeah, yeah I'll just talk, take, uh, you know, this penis pill here or, and, and it's fine. Like, it's, but like whatever, whoever comes to me with a bag of cash, I'll, I'll be a whore for their product or service. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden it feels real icky. Yeah. No one loves to pepper their thing with a bunch of ads that they hate. Right. It's like, oh, I guess I'm just doing this to pay the bills. Well, that's just putting you back to where you were before. That's right. It's it's devoid of purpose. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely right. And so when you do some sort of advertisement on, on the Ken Coleman show, it's mm-hmm. it's it's through Ramsey and, and, and through Ramsey Solutions. It's actually something that you believe in. You yeah. Know? And it's something that aligns with your audience as well. And so yeah. there are only a small handful, I think of Seth Godin being uh, another one, yeah. where he would never do something that didn't absolutely align with who he is. Yeah. And there are rare exceptions, and there are people we want to look at for this, but... If we look at anything else, it's just, well, here's eight, ten minutes of advertisements to start off another podcast. That's right. Yeah. 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 Man, it is so interesting to me how COVID has really forced people to look at what they do for a living and mm-hmm. how they approach their job. I mean, there it would be a really interesting study, like something beyond, you know, this this article about because uh, there's something that I think is going on with all of us being in it together. Yep. So like we're all kind of 
screwed. We're all uncomfortable. We're, we're all forced into looking at something different, which gave people permission mm-hmm. to uh, to kind of look at things differently. I, yeah, there's there's a book I feel on the horizon, not by me, but by someone on the horizon <laughs> of how of how this uh, pandemic, um, yeah, how it forced us to look mm-hmm. at things differently. Yep. Yeah, and, and you know that word has come up so much. Essential. You know, Ryan and I have been asked that question for the last 12 years. What is essential? Yes. But now it's essential workers, essential business, essential travel, essential activities. But then people are looking around their homes and saying, what is essential? And now they're looking at their jobs and they're saying, is, my, am I, is what I'm doing actually essential? Mm-hmm. Is it serving other people? Is it really serve? Does it even matter to me? Yeah, yeah. Now, you have some steps here in the book. This is from page five during the introduction. You talk about a clear path, the seven different stages mm-hmm. I imagine you might have these memorized. I do, because <laughs> I lived them. Yeah. Let, let's talk about these. Uh, let's talk about the clear path here. Let's yeah. talk about the seven seven stages yeah. to finding purpose. Yeah, your. really simple. I'll just list them. You tell me where you want to go, but they are, number one, get clear. You got to get clear. Yeah. And that's what I talked about a little bit earlier, talent, passion, mission, right? What am I created to do? And so we're looking inward here. We're not looking at a job or job description. Get clear. Stage two is get qualified. Once I'm clear, I know this is the mountain I want to climb. I got to get qualified to climb the mountain. Mm, All right. Stage three. Now we can be in stage two and three at the same time. Get uh, get qualified and then get connected. So while I'm getting qualified, I'm out there getting connected. I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm observing. And that's where opportunities come to me. That leads us to stage four, get started, right? Mm. So we step in. We're on that first rung of the ladder, and, and we're starting. Then we move into stage five, which is get promoted. Now we're moving up the ladder, if you will. We eventually climb up the ladder. This is your longest stage mm-hmm. of the seven stages, get promoted. And we eventually get the dream job. All right, so we step in. I'm in the dream job. You guys are in the dream job. I know this. Mm-hmm. But is that it? No, mm-hmm. there's a seventh stage. And we're also in stage six and seven consecutively as well. Because mm-hmm. when I'm in the dream job, now I'm truly giving myself away. I'm not working for status. I'm not working for dollar signs. Mm-hmm. I'm working for significance. It's all about impact. So the income is there, but now it's impact. And and it's, it's about that. It's not about a bigger paycheck. It's about how many more contributions can I make? How do I multiply the contribution that matters deeply to me? So those are the seven stages. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a bit about the, be, the beginning stages here, because once you get clear and you identify the mountain you want to, to climb, you, you talk about getting connected. Yeah. And getting connected, I think, kind of means two things, maybe more, but, but one is getting the, the knowledge, improving the skills, mm-hmm. et cetera, but also doing that through uh, people who can help you, uh, right. uh, you know, educate you along that, that path. Exactly right. You know, connections are the currency to progress. Okay. So if you think. Uh, Tweet that podcast, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about this journey and I'm, I'm progressing, I'm moving forward. So connections and only connections are what allow us the opportunities that we get. Opportunities yeah. don't come from the sky. I just don't buy that. Okay. Yeah. I just don't buy it. The universe doesn't just go, here you go. That's a bunch of crap. You're going to be a really miserable person. If that's your game, you're sitting around <laughs> waiting for the universe or somebody to go. And that Ken Coleman guy, I think he's pretty talented. I think he's pretty great. I'm going to call him and hand him something today. <laughs> that mm. never happens. Right. But this is the, as silly as that sounds, this is the mentality that a lot of people have. So I want to blow that up. So it is connections. It is, I am meeting people and, and, and it's not, it's not being a, a relationship vampire either. 
right? That we've mm. all seen at these networking events where you feel dirty and gross. Yeah. It's like speed dating on steroids and oh. everybody's there just to see who can they get something out of. How many you business know I mean? cards can I and walk like away this, with? Yeah, it's this number right here. Hey, Joshua, how are you? <laughs> Super excited about you, man. I want to know everything I can. And you feel really great until you realize Ken is just shaking me down to see if I have anything of value for him. And the minute that right. Ken realizes that I can't help him, he's doing this number. Yeah, that's great. Uh huh. Yeah, you're talking to me. I'm looking over here. I'm looking for my next victim. I'm a vampire. I suck the blood <laughs> oh. out of you, leave you in a heap, and I move on. That is not connecting. Man. Connecting is a posture of humility and hunger. You must have both. Humility means, hey, Joshua, I, I really respect you. Hey, Ryan, I've, I've, I've watched you. You're doing something that I maybe want to do, but I feel like you've got some knowledge or some wisdom for me. I need some facts or I've got some scenarios and I'd love your input. Can I do coffee with you or a Zoom call or whatever? And I'm mm -hmm. going to come prepared yeah. and I will not waste your time. But I know that's a lot to ask, but would you do that? Mm -hmm. That's humility and hunger in one question. Mm -hmm. And here's yeah. what I know. Yeah. Successful people, like good, healthy, successful people, They'll always say yes to that. You go, well, Ken, I don't have anything to offer them. Not true. You're offering them value. Well, how, do I, how do I offer them value? Because you made them feel valuable. That yeah. approach right there, you feel it. And successful people go, yeah, man, come on in. The water is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Successful people, yeah. really, truly successful people who want to give of themselves, love people. Yeah. Okay. Successful people go, oh, yeah, I want to contribute because you came at me with a spirit of humility and hunger. And boy, and then I make the most of that 30 minutes with Ryan and I'm like, man, and you see me and I'm, I've got my moleskin and my pencil, which is, you know, that's my game yeah. and I'm paying attention and I'm taking notes. And then at the very end I say, Hey, are there any other people that you think I should connect with? Or uh, where, where could I go? Some places maybe where I could observe and learn and, and he's going to have something for me. Yeah. Now, Ryan may or may not do a whole bunch for me as it relates to other connections and opportunities but I at least get knowledge and wisdom from him. And if I live in that posture and live in that discipline, here's what I can tell you. It's all coming back. Yeah. So you want the universe to give something back to you? You better put something out there. You better get out there and live in your universe and connect. And connections lead to opportunities. And here's what I love about this philosophy. When you do what I just described on a regular basis, opportunities actually knock on your door yes because somebody thought of you because yeah. you were top of mind because of the way you handled yourself the way you acted so this yeah. idea of kicking the door down it's all hollywood and romanticized it's a bunch of garbage i yeah. found that when i try to kick doors down two things happen i hurt myself and others mm. yeah the, the one thing I'll say is in that situation that you're talking about with sitting down with me with a, a moleskin and a pencil, you're giving me the opportunity to be a mentor. And I agree with you that yes. successful people, they love to share yes. their wisdom. They love yes. to take on mentees. So if anything, uh, when you're asking someone for help, you're asking them to mentor you. And most people will be receptive to that. I, I think about my, uh, my little sister, <clears throat> excuse me. She, uh, she called me up and she's like, I really want to do uh, social media. I want to like manage, you know, social media accounts. It's something I can do from home. Uh, I'm really good with Instagram and Twitter and, you know, so forth and so on. And I'm like, okay. I was like, find a company that you want to represent and send them an email. Hey, I would like to talk to you about your social media. And uh, at first, like just offer to be an intern to, to, yeah. so you can gain experience. And I helped her craft a message. 
And, you know, fast forward a year later, like she now has different companies that she works for and that she's paying, but it all started with that asking for, uh, just for a little bit of time from someone. Yes. Yeah. And I think about like my, uh, my buddy, um, in Dayton, Ohio, he's, uh, uh, the CEO of the better business bureau Yeah. and man, like he, it was just all about like mentoring me and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was very useful and it got me other connections, so forth and so on. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you've got to ask, uh, like you said, the universe isn't going to drop something in your life. No. You at least got to ask. That's it. And it was yeah. never about you going to him and saying, Hey, I need a mentor. That almost never works right. by the way, right. because it's just like saying, Hey, can you please commit two hours of your week to me every week? No, 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 no. It, it's showing up for that first thing. Mm-hmm. If there's some sort of connection, sometimes there will be. Often there won't be. But if mm-hmm. there is, then maybe there's a path toward mentorship. But it's not simply showing up and saying, hey, Ryan, I expect an hour of your time every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's I mean, right. People reach out to Ryan every every week because he's done a bunch of mentoring with folks. And, hey, can you be my mentor? Yeah. And the answer to that is, well, no, yeah, if you're just coming to me and saying, hey, I demand some of your time. One thing I want to add to this strategy is, is don't miss opportunities just to say yes to help somebody else. It has nothing strategic to do with purpose. Yeah. So I write about this in the book, and it was to this day, it's probably one of the top five breakthroughs for me in my career, a very long journey. And uh, as you know in the story, uh, I was asked at one point, I'm in my journey, and I was running a small sponsorship company. We sold sponsorships for live events. We're pretty good at it. It was my day job. Mm. And I got a call one day from one of my clients. And I'll never forget, Angie said, hey, listen, would you do lunch with me and Elizabeth? Um, She's a friend, and she's got a nonprofit. she got a small event. She wants to figure out how to raise dollars. And you know all the things. You can help her. Would you do a lunch as a favor? And I didn't want to do it, but I was like, yep, I'll do it. And so I did it. And in that hour lunch, I poured into her. There was nothing. I wasn't thinking about me and strategic, but I remember in the conversation, she had said something about her family owning a radio station. Well, it wasn't appropriate at the time for me to dive into that, right? And at that time, I wasn't considering radio. I was only pursuing TV. Mm. So I made note of it, but honestly forgot about it. Fast forward five, six months later, I'm in a real Eeyore state. I'm just sitting around. No one's thinking of me, you know, and it was in that moment on my patio. I said to myself, nobody's sitting around thinking about how they can help Ken Coleman. Uh, yeah. You know, this was a big world. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their stuff. I'm sitting around kind of waiting for somebody to go, Ken's pretty awesome. And I really kicked myself in the butt on that one. And so I went into my computer in my basement office and I just committed. I go, I'm gonna go through every contact I've got in Outlook. And I'm going to just look at it again and go, did they know somebody? And at this time, I had been pursuing radio in that five-month, six-month period. Long story, I know. I look, and I see Elizabeth, and I see her name, and I go, wait a second. She mentioned her family owning a radio station. So I emailed her immediately, Elizabeth, would you have five minutes for me sometime soon? No rush. I just want to run something by you. She emailed back within minutes. She said, I can talk right now. I called her. She hops on the phone. We exchange niceties. She thanks me for pouring into her over that lunch. It was so valuable. Thank you. I said, well, that's great. I said, I got a question. You mentioned in that lunch, your family owning a radio station. Well, what station is that? She said, WDUN. Uh, and I said, you're kidding me. She goes, no, my, I'm, I'm actually 50% owner. I just don't, I'm not in the business. My brother runs it. I said, I've been emailing, and I said the station manager's name for months, calling him, leaving voicemails, just saying, I'd love to pay my way on on Saturday. He's not returning my call. She goes, you're kidding me. She goes, well, what can I do? I said, can you get me a meeting with your brother? 
I just want him to see me, ask questions, am I a nut? And then I, I'm willing to pay my way on. I just need an audience. She goes, I'll have it set up by the end of the day. Wow. She did. Two days later, I met with him and I got on radio and that's where I started my radio career. But it was because of a connection. And I just wanted to tell the story to say, it's not always about the Ryan conversation. Yeah. That's great connection strategy. But it's also what Zig Ziglar said so famously years ago. If you spend your life helping other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Uh, and yeah. it is that example where I, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm saying I connected with Elizabeth. I helped Elizabeth. No intention at all. Mm -hmm. No myself. expectation. No expectation. Of, of hey, I, you yeah. know, I'm going to help her just so she'll give me something no. later. That's not how contribution yeah, works. That's it. No. So it came back around. That's right. And she, to this day, the greatest, the greatest connection oh. in those early days for me, it was by far, still is, wow. the greatest connection. And so yeah, I look back in that and I go, don't miss opportunities to give yourself away, even on the climb. That's right. And when there's no foreseeable or strategic reason for helping, do it. You never know yeah. what's on the other side, what connections on the other side of a contribution. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like as much as you look to get from someone, look like how you can give to it's someone. It's going to come back. Yeah. Ken, on page 32, you talk about a purpose statement. Yes. Now, I've never written a purpose statement, so maybe you could walk us oh, through this. That's fun. Yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> I was, I was going to write a purpose statement, and I was, I was going to bring it up with him, too. And I was like, I think I'm going to do it live on the air. Oh, I love it. Yeah, if we well, had a whiteboard. Recorded, but. Yeah, we'll get a whiteboard. We'll do it. Yeah. So a purpose statement has three elements to it. Okay. And so we'll just start with what does the statement look like? Now you can change this up. So this, let's call this just nothing more than a template, but the, the template goes like this. I was created to use what I do best, fill in the blank, mm -hmm. to do work I love, fill in the blank, mm -hmm. to produce results that matter deeply to me, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Now that's as tight as it gets. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to tell you, because I've spent countless hours trying to formulate the simplest template for people is if you can get that if you can fill in that sentence i'll do it one more time then i'll break it down i was created to use what i do best fill in the blank mm -hmm. talent to do work i love fill in the blank that's stuff that just fuels passion in you mm -hmm. to produce results that matter deeply to me that's mission okay so what we do is is we gotta we have to we have to get clear on talent passion mission and then we can fill in the blank of that template mm -hmm. that's right and so that's what i teach as you know we've got to get clear career assessment on my website that actually will do what we outline in the book. Now we take you how to manually do that for yourself, mm -hmm. which I kind of like the old school manual because I didn't have my own assessment. Mm -hmm. When I went through this at 33 years of age in a career crisis, totally switching gears, I, I did it on my own, mm. moleskin and a pencil. Mm. Okay, so we teach it in the book. But once I get clear on talent, this is what I do best, very simple, people skills, and then your hard technical skills, right? So yeah. I'm really good at designing, whatever, coding, whatever. That's a hard skill. And then there's the people skills. And that's what you bring to the table. But I also throw character traits in there. And so that's what you do best. Those are the tools. Think of talent as your premium tools, mm -hmm. right? You ever tried to work? You ever tried to do a handsaw? Oh yeah. Versus the power saw. Yeah. Come on, folks. Yeah. Let's let's focus on talent. <laughs> this idea that you got to work on your weaknesses. I'm just going to put in a commercial here. That's a bunch of crap too. You'll spend your life being frustrated. Yeah. Okay. If I'm a three in something and I bust my tail, I may be a five. Anybody pay for fives? No. Nobody pays for fives. So talent, premium tools. Okay. Passion, work you love. You got to really identify a task or a role that fills you up. Okay. So I'll just make it personal. 
I love the task of creating content. Mm. I mean, man, I, I dig it. I dig having to develop content to write a book, to create an outline first and then wrestle through it. I love that. I dig it. I also love communicating publicly, right? I mm. love coaching people one-on-one on the air. Those are tasks or a role that I'm playing. So when I think about those two roles, I mean, my eyes light up. I get excited. There's high emotion. Uh, and when I'm in the middle of that work, there's high devotion. You know, I, I, I'm just, I had a 20 hour day yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Up early to do a national media hit. Then I did three hours of broadcasting. I had, I don't know, four or five interviews about the book in that day. I'm going to tell you something. I was whooped. I'm whooped this morning, but I got the juice. Mm. Why? Because I love the work yeah. of communicating. But then here's the last piece. Results that matter deeply to me. Mm. I write this book. I do my show. I, can, I, I bring you guys on my show. Why? Because I'm all about transformation. Mm. The result I'm trying to produce is life change and transformation for people. I want people to know who they are and just be okay with that and be them uniquely, greatly, just them. That's my jam. So talent, passion, mission. So when you go through and you begin to identify, this is what I do best. You got a list. This is the type of work that fires my soul. I got the juice. And then these are the results that if I look at my day, even on a long, hard day, I go, it was worth it Mm. because of the contribution, the result. There's people on the other end of that work. Those three elements are how we get clear. And that's how we fill out a purpose statement. So then you write it out. And here's what's beautiful about it. When you can write it out and you say, I was created to use my talents of communication, connection, and instruction to do work I love, you know, and you fill it out, boom, 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 boom. And then to produce results that matter to me, influence. Mm. Okay. I look at that and I go, okay, it becomes the filter by which I look at every decision I make professionally. Yeah. And I can go look for a job okay, on LinkedIn or wherever you want to go. And I go, does this job description? And then when I go to the interview process, I'm interviewing them because uh-huh. yeah. I'm going, does this job align with my purpose? Mm-hmm. And I'll just give you a very practical thing here. 75%, that's a rule of thumb. You ought to spend 75% of your day using what you do best doing work you love, producing results, results that matter. Because there's just some stuff you got to do. Like, I hate meetings. Mm-hmm. All right? You know what I mean? I despise meetings yes. with a deep abiding passion. You know what I mean? I just don't like a bunch of meetings. But I have to sit in meetings. Yeah. It yeah. is a functional part of what I have to do. So I get that question a lot. How much? How do I know if it's a 75% rule of thumb, talent, passion, mission? If it's in alignment, then I got to tell you something. You're going to thrive. And, yeah. and what I'll tell you is, so like when we're on the road, for example, a lot of people use things tour. Mm-hmm. It's 22 hours a day of things that oh. serve that, those two hours on stage. But if you can fall in love with the with those pieces, if you really enjoy, um, all right, I'm getting on the airplane. I'm sitting in my seat. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, I get to do this. And this is required in order for me to do the other. I can't teleport onto the stage at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. Like it's mm-hmm. just, I have to go through all the other things. Oh, the bed is kind of creaky in this hotel. The <laughs> pillow, it's all off. Like yep. all of these things, if you can, if you can learn to smile at the absurdity of the meetings you have to sit through and recognize, like yes, this is all part of it, then it actually serves what you're doing. If you understand this is part of the stew. And as you said, like 
you, you don't want it to be the entire meal, right? Like if you if you dislike onions, but like you have onion French onion soup, you're probably you you found the wrong fit for you. Come on, and a lot yeah. of people are eating French onion soup eight hours a day every day. Mm. Oh, this is so good. And I said this earlier. We would rather be miserable than uncomfortable, yeah. and so we'd rather keep eating that soup. This awful drivel because we go at least i know how it tastes oh Mm. i guess it's better than nothing man well we don't even want to try anything else what if i try it and it makes me break out in a rash (laughs) or you know like like what what are we talking about so we're gonna heat drivel the rest of our lives and the answer is if you aren't yeah yeah most of us will sadly let's go i just i'd rather deal with the devil i know than the devil i don't there are an infinite amount of reasons and excuses to not do something and we, and we humans love to find those reasons, don't we? I'm tired of eating porridge. Yeah. Mm. yeah porridge man. is awful. Yeah. Nobody gets excited about porridge. <laughs> you we, know, at Milburn, talking about the tour, it just makes me think about how, yeah, I have to put things into perspective. Like, because I used to get on an airplane and it was like, oh my God, I'm on an airplane. Yeah. This is <laughs> like, so right. cool. And then yeah. you go to a hotel room, you're like, oh, wow, oh, this is so awesome. This is so awesome. And now, like, after doing it for so long, it's like, got to get on an airplane, yeah. got to go to the hotel room. <laughs> but right. I have to remind myself of those days when I was excited about it and why I was excited about it. And yeah. that sometimes helps me shift. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to pay your taxes. you got to go to meetings. you got to do some things to get to, uh, to, get to that, that passionate yeah. work. And some of those things, though, in a long enough timeline, you can outsource many of those things, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you, we have Jess who handles our social media, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have Emma and Mallory and, and Danny's not here today, yeah. but I don't really know what they do, but they're here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's great leadership right there, folks. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> they just showed up one yeah, day. Yeah. yeah. No, um, they, they actually add immense value to what we're doing. Obviously podcast, Sean, sure. Jordan mm-hmm. and, and the whole team. And what, what I've recognized is that, okay, over time, it was just, it started with me and Ryan. We started this website, theminimalist.com. Yes. And from there, it, you know, it sort of took on a life of its own as we built and we tried different things. Some things failed, some things worked, some things worked way better than we expected, yeah. et cetera, right? Our first four book tours, we slept in Ryan's Toyota Corolla. Mm. Oh, story. that's lovely. True story. Mm. I mean, yeah. I, there's a smell coming to me right now. I don't <laughs> know where, I just, you took me right there and I was yeah. like, wow. That's Ryan's taint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> that's next level i you took me there and then wow oh, man. Well, yeah, i'm afraid i'm never gonna forget that let, let, josh let me ask you real quick so going back to the statement like what would you what would you say like the passion the i'm sorry the uh, the talent the passion the mission like what would that be well, let's for do you? it yeah, yeah. Let's do talent it. top three things and pick one word ta- to help you yeah so so writing communicating expression those those three things perfect mm-hmm. yeah okay work you love Top three, think of a one-word description for the task or role that you play. Yeah, leadership. Okay. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, ooh. Um, actually, let me go back to the talent thing. Letting go is part of that, right? Ooh, yeah. That you, you could call it detaching or non-attachment, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of the, the, the second one, leadership, communication. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, I'm going to uh, suggest creation. Ooh, Yes. Yeah, because I, I know you. Yeah, so, mm. pardon me for jumping into your purpose well, statement. Well, creating in general is yeah. is yeah, yeah, that is an act. That is a that's a that's work. That's mm. a that's an act active role. That's right. And then mission result. If you pick one word that would define the result you most want to put into the world through your work, contribution or meaning, Boom. Boom. either one yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be very similar for me. So the talent would be, um, what comes to mind is connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love like without the, question, like the, yeah. you have the God given gift of connecting <laughs> with others. I'm telling you. Thanks man. No, I appreciate that. I, uh, and it's hard for me to like say thank you to that too, because when someone's like, Oh, you got that gift to connect. Like, um, you know, I don't want to be like prideful or boastful about it, but, but yeah. Th- okay. Can we, yeah, can, let's see. Yeah. Can I unpack? Me, yeah, absolutely. Can I, can I, can I go deep on it. this one? <laughs> okay. I don't want to take over, but I, this is important though. I want the audience to see what just happened. Mm. He was very vulnerable. And I'm glad you were. You were kind of like, well, thanks, man. And then you felt the <laughs> urge to go, well, I've have a, I've a hard time accepting that. Mm. This is really important for people to see. Nothing about owning what you do well is prideful. Mm. Now, walking around being an arrogant prick about it, yeah, that's not good. But yeah. where do we come off? What is going on with us to where we go, well, this is what I do well. Owning that for the purposes of not bragging, but owning it for the purposes of going, yeah, I, I need to realize that, and therefore I need to step into that. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because but this is how I can there. contribute. Yeah. yeah, but there's something there. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to acknowledge it, and that just happens every day on the Ken Coleman show. People have a hard time just saying good things about themselves. Yeah. Sure. I don't know where that comes from. I tell you exactly like, where it comes where from. Where does it come from? There is this, there's, it comes from a societal pressure, right? It's somewhere in our grade school. It's like, don't brag. Don't talk about yourself, mm. you know? And, and then now social media has kind of created this weird thing where now we've Ooh. gone the other side of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where everybody's like putting out this fake version or this super shiny version of, of themselves. But I think there's something in our humanness where we are good, and we don't want to be prideful. That's a, it comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. But we've also got to see the underbelly of that good thing. This idea of being humble is in all of us. Yeah. It's a good thing. And I think just it's who we are. But then we got to be careful not to let it flip over on us and go, wait a second. I'm, there's a difference between walking around telling everybody, hey, I'm Ryan. I connect as good as anybody on the planet. Watch yeah. me. Well, of course you don't do that. But there is you owning it to wake up every morning and go, you know what? I've been given a gift. Yeah. And I'm going to use that today. Mm. I'm going to. Yeah. Big difference. I need it like intellectually. I'm there. I need to like. Own it. Yeah. I need to own it. Well, it's interesting. Like if you look at my social media, like I don't have any selfies. Maybe there might be one selfie, but like even putting a selfie up feels, putting a selfie up feels, uh, yeah, boastful, prideful. Look at me. Well, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. I wouldn't dig into that for a second. Okay. That's personal preference. Yeah. There's a difference between you going, I need to not like conditionally respond to somebody when somebody says i'm a great connector go thank you yeah and in that moment go ah man oh and appreciate grateful that i'm good at that yeah Yeah. like let's just own that rather than me prefacing it with yeah yeah you don't need to like now talk me out of it right (laughs) i've already i've already observed it (laughs) so i just i want to point that out because that's in all of us no i i appreciate that no because i yeah i need that for sure Step into the giftedness, you know, shine, yeah. you know, like be the butterfly, come out of the cocoon, you know, because the world needs it. That's mm. right. You know? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so uh, uh, connection, connecting with others. Um, yeah, what I was going to say is that the hug line that we used to have, you know, pre-pandemic. Oh, yeah. That was like the favorite part of what, uh, yeah. for, for me, of what we did. Because, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable how just the pain that people experience yeah and they 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 show up in the hug line and a lot of them just want to you know get a picture taken with josh and ryan but some of them are really going through some like major pain sure and the ability that i have to hold space for someone yeah like that is um 
that's something that I, I love to give. That's definitely a talent. You yeah, know where yeah. that comes from, though? I'm also going to say that that's passion for Ryan. Because mm. I know a bit of your backstory. I assume your audience does. Yeah, absolutely. It comes from pain. Oh, yeah. It absolutely does. Yeah. Listen, let me tell you something. Yeah, because I've been there. Yeah. You ha- Listen, when you're going through this exercise, whether you do it manning of the book uh, or you just decide to do it on your own, with basically what we've taught today, we've given away the secret sauce. Mm. It's open source. Dig, if you're having a hard time identifying specifics around passion, work you love, go back to your past, go back to your pain. Mm. Ooh. Because I'm telling you, there are clues. Yes. Yeah. And it's not always super specific. Like with you, you don't go back to your past pain and come up with, oh, I'm going to be a minimalist yeah. and all of this. No. So don't, don't like overthink this. Mm-hmm. But the hugs, mm. you just said it so beautifully. You have, you have a space for people. Mm. That space comes from your past. And uh, I don't, I'm sure you've done the research because I love all y'all hugging and stuff, and I love it. The research shows that there's an actual transfer of energy. It's an actual physiological response that happens in the moment when you hug. Yeah. Go, yeah. go do your own research on that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, a med, it's almost a medical and emotional response, and it is a, and I'm not, I'm not some spooky you know, kind of new age guy. I'm just telling you. That's a fact. It's a physiological energy transfer when we hug, even in the brief, you know, when I hugged your team, you know, it's like, I don't know very well. And I wasn't, you know, trying to have a space for them, you know, I was just like, oh yeah, come on. But there's a little bit of a a jolt. So I love that, man. And so there's purpose. Yeah. There's passion Mm -hmm. right there. Yes. It's a transfer. You're not only talented at it, but you actually love doing it. You love seeing people. You love hearing people. That's your jam. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess like the mission part of it is just to help people heal. And that goes back to my pain too. Because like I've been able to heal from a lot of that pain. And the best thing I can do with that knowledge is like transfer that to others and be like, hey, I've been there. I've had pain like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to have to like write this out and like stick it on my mirror or something so I can see it every single day. <laughs> That's beautiful. We have a bunch of surprise questions. Emma, the immigrant. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Jen. How do you know what your, sorry, how do you know that your decision to change careers isn't just part of the chase? So, I think this is something that's fascinating. Sometimes we're, we're careening from one career choice to another. Societal dictates, oh, I should do this. I shouldn't do that. Or, this is the practical thing to do. This is the impractical or reckless mm. thing to do, and therefore I'm not going to do it. And so for Jin, what she's saying is, I'm afraid that instead of pursuing the thing that will bring me meaning and purpose and fulfillment... I'm afraid that I'm just going to chase something else. We quite often confuse excitement for passion. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what, the way I would put this is that um, it might be a good thing or even a great thing, but is it the right thing? Yeah. Very big difference. 100%. Very big difference between a good opportunity, even a great opportunity, and the right opportunity. And she encapsulates it in the question, like this idea of I'm chasing something versus... I am charting my course. Yeah. I want you charting, not chasing. Yeah. Am I you know? chasing or am I transforming? Yeah. It's yeah. like chasing is like, uh, I'm, I'm okay. This is, I can't even believe you guys are the first one. I'm reading a book about pirates right now. Like a historical, <laughs> I know, right? It's, I knew this was going to happen. 
But it just came to me. So I'm reading this book on pirates. I love history. I'm reading this like really awesome book on the history of pirates. So I go like the 1600s, 1700s, crazy. Well, there's a difference between a pirate, right? Well, they were chasing a victim. They were chasing something, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the explorers. Magellan, he charted a course to truly see the world. Can we circumnavigate the world? That's what I mean. I just want people to get that. This, you can tell the difference. And this it's back to the purpose statement. So I would, I, I'm not trying to just bring it all back to this, but that's what this is. Fundamentally, yeah. how do you know it's the chase versus charting my course? Mm. Does it match up to your purpose? And if it doesn't, you're just chasing you're chasing role pleasure. You're chasing yeah. more money mm-hmm. and more status. Because, by the way, when we get offered a great opportunity on paper or a good mm-hmm. opportunity, uh, let's break down the psychology here so that you can put it up against purpose. The psychology is I look at the pay raise and I go, oh, that looks good. Oh, that's, that's more money in my bank account. That's transferable. I can mm-hmm. see this, this looks good. Mm-hmm. And then it feels good, right? Oh, they want me. This company wants me. Mm-hmm. Now, that's fool's gold Yeah. if it's not on purpose. Now, it can be on purpose, but when we get an opportunity for more pay and more promotion, you better line it up with your purpose, David. Because if you do not, I promise you, those two feelings I just described will wear off. And yeah. so practically speaking, that's that's what's going on in that question. So I got to look at it and go, is this the good? Is this great? Is it a feeling? Or is it, It's this is a factual move for me yeah. to actually stay on purpose and move up the ladder. I mean, yeah, people ask us a lot, like, how do I know minimalism is right for me? And like what Josh and I say is like, ask yourself, like, how might your life look better with less? Yes. And getting to the why. If you just go in and start decluttering and throw things away, um, that's not going to bring you instant happiness. And that's also why, you know, the seven steps that you laid out, the first step isn't quit your job. No, no. (laughs) In fact, it's not in there anywhere. right? Right. Right. Yeah. The first step is to really get clear. Yes. And I think if people follow these steps, they ask why. They get clear. They figure out what their values are. They figure out what their what their uh, mission statement is. Like these things will help help indicate whether or not you're chasing or whether or not you're just jumping to a, another opportunity. It. it makes yeah. me think about because um, I was trying to bring this up eventually about uh, the sports casting job that you had. Oh. So so I've had some very uh, some very embarrassing professional moments in my <laughs> life, <laughs> which I'm willing to talk about. Yeah, but yeah. So talk about how. That, that really was more of a chase than it was yeah. Um, the, the Yeah, yeah the so I share the story in the book because, you know, we're, we're talking about this idea of, you know, you got to do your work. You got to get qualified, mm-hmm. right? And I think we, we as humans, it's the human condition. We want to fast forward everything, yeah right? And, and I was just shining the light on when I did it so poorly. And I learned that there was going to be no fast forward button. There wasn't going to be a leap. It was going to have to be a climb. And so I tell the story in the book that I'm, you know, I'm trying to get into sports TV and in order to get into sports TV, you got to have a reel, right? And so that's Mm. insider language just means you got to have two or three minute demo to show a potential producer. Do you have the chops? Right. And I didn't have a reel. So I was like, I got to get a reel, you know? And so I'm, you know, I'm just a, you know, a, a tornado of activity. That's my normal MO. So I'm making connections, making connections. And I had a connection uh, through my wife. Oh my gosh, this guy's a, he's to this day, he's an NBC sports reporter. Mm. And so he, she calls him on my behalf. Of course, he does the favor because my wife's his cousin. Mm. And so he makes a call in Atlanta to Turner Sports, a NASCAR show, pulls some weight and goes, hey, blah, 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 blah. Will you let him come in and, and, and do some highlights? Mm-hmm. And so he can get a demo. So I just 
don't do any prep at all. Oh, like no. I just am kind of like, oh, I watch sports center all the time. I mean, how hard could it be? They're going to show highlights. They'll have a script. Cause he's telling me what to expect. And the way he said it, he's a pro. He's like, Oh, I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah. I don't do any prep. I walk into this thing going, all right. So they've done a whole show. So this is a full crew. I mean, it's like people everywhere, big time studio. I don't know the guy who's on air. I just know him through my wife's cousin. So we meet for the first time. He's like, Hey man. And I'm like, Hey, thanks for setting this up for me. He goes, no problem. He goes, here's what we'll do. He goes, you saw that last segment I did. We'll rerun those highlights. And I, here's my script that I just did. And so you just do it and we'll film it, do it a couple times and, and you know, we'll be good. Well, I'd never done it before. I got nervous. Uh-huh. I had mm-hmm. never put myself in that position before. The lights are on, camera. Professionals Oof. everywhere. Mm. And I, it hits me. And I, <laughs> I literally, I don't know if any of you have ever been in the desert for a long amount of time. I haven't. But I imagine that where my mouth went in that point <laughs> is exactly what it's like to be in the desert for a whole day with no water oh. because my nerves went so bananas that my mouth, like I literally, my tongue was stuck to the roof of my mouth. I was trying to bite my cheek, hoping that maybe blood would give me some <laughs> fluid. I was so nervous. It was awful. And so before you know it, it's three, two, one, action. And I'm staring at a prompter, which I'd never done before. Mm. This is the moral of the story. And it starts to roll, and I've got oh. one screen with a prompter, and right below it is the actual NASCAR highlight. So mm. my brain is not trained, so I'm doing this and this and this. <laughs> and as you can imagine, <laughs> within mm. about 20 seconds, the train is off of the tracks. Oh, You've man. ever seen those careening train wrecks? It's off, and it hasn't wrecked yet, but it's like, <laughs> and it's just kind of going along, and sparks are flying everywhere, and my mouth doesn't work. My brain is now not working, oh. and I'm flush, and I'm pouring sweat, and I can mm. see out of the peripheral vision. Everybody is going, <laughs> and it was awful. Oh. oh, man. And I finished, and he goes, okay, let's uh, run it back, and let's try it again. Mm. Mouth still dry. And so we went through this horrible process. I write about it, as you know, in excruciating detail oh, in the man. book yeah. so that people can understand that one of the big mistakes we make as humans is that we, we, we overestimate our abilities. We overestimate what we can do and we've got to humble ourselves. And I should have gone and worked with a prompter. I should have maybe taken a class or two. I should have, there's a million things that I could have done mm-hmm. before I put myself in that position. And, and what I did was I not only embarrassed myself, I embarrassed my wife's cousin, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I abuse these poor people's time right? and, mm. and I, it devastated me. And, and I will tell you that it took me a while to get back up on the horse because it was so embarrassing. Mm. And so why do we do that to ourselves? And so yeah. that's a story in there where I talk about the patience in that get qualified stage. Yeah. And the humility Absolutely. there. Because the uh, yeah. if you would have had the humility going into it, it would have been <laughs> like, because it wasn't, it didn't require that much. You said there are a dozen things you could have done, oh, sure. but many of those things wouldn't have required a whole lot of work or effort yeah. from you it's just a little bit of preparation now the other side of that that is over preparing preparing so much that it's actually it prevents us from doing any of the meaningful work it's like well i'm just going to use this as an excuse like uh, writers do this all the time when we're i'll just yeah. i'm in the research phase oh, research yeah. is not writing i teach a writing class yes. and I, I what i try to communicate to to students is yes, you can research and, and these things are really helpful, but don't mm-hmm. mistake that for the actual writing process. 100%. Yeah. You know, it's a very good point here. The flip side of this is if you overanalyze and you you keep using the excuse of I'm not prepared. So what we have to talk about in this humiliating story for me is that there's a balance. 
Yeah. Okay. And so we don't have to die spectacularly like I did that day. I mean, I died. It was like I was carving my heart out with a plastic spoon. It was that painful. All right. Mm, yes. But I did, it didn't have to be that way. And so I think back to riding a bike. You know, I know my dad was brilliant. He taught me to ride a bike on a, on a grass stretch. Okay. I, why? Because he knew I was probably going to wreck, but mm. he was mitigating the risk. Yeah. I might fall, get a little scrape or two off of the off of the pedal, mm-hmm. but I wasn't going to lose all my skin and the grass was going to be softer than that's the point here. Mm-hmm. It's that mitigate the risk. Go, okay, I, I'm never going to be perfect, but when I do it, I don't have to, th- this idea that I'm going to jump off of a cliff and splat doesn't have to be one of the options. Right. And yeah. that's what I did that day. Right. But I, you know, I wasn't humble. So I was humiliated. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. You can do a little bit, but at some point then you go, okay, it's going to suck, but it doesn't have to be a spec- a spectacular splat. Right. right? Embrace the suck. That's part of the deal. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have to hurt you. I got hurt that day. It was a painful lesson. Mm. Yeah. And, and these, well, I, this is like tantamount to a near death experience in the moment. Like, <laughs> oh, be, because yes. all of the same sort of chemical releases in your brain happen, <laughs> right? As though you're dying. But I'll tell you that the most profound lessons in my life are these types of experiences. Yes. Yeah. Now, the, the key to that, though, is course correcting afterward. That's correct. And, and not allowing the crash to now determine the future. The crash is like, okay, well, now I, now I get up and, and uh, uh, you know what? I'm, I didn't actually die. Yes. And so I can move forward with this lesson. Yep. Yeah. What did I get from this? That's true. Yeah. Oh. Viscerally got from this. Whew. Man, it makes me think about uh, back in 2013, November of 2013, Josh and I were doing a... Uh, a talk in New York city. What do they call it? Like a, a media event where basically our publicist invited out like people from the daily show and ABC and CBS and NBC and like all these different media outlets. And we did it specifically to promote the book a little bit. Sure. And, uh, yeah, long story short. Um, I just must have not practiced my talk enough. I, I, I mean, I practiced it a lot and like I was nailing it, but when you're in front of, People, let alone people who are deciding your fate oh, with yeah. whether or not they're going to put you on their on their network or not. Um, man, I like. I think I skipped over like a page or two. I just totally went blank in certain areas. It was one of the most embarrassing things <laughs> I've, I've, I've ever had happen to me. But I'll tell you from that, I did learn. Okay, like maybe I practiced, uh, you know, for forty hours. I need to practice for eighty hours. Yep. And and it also helps me understand like. Like we have the comedy store here in LA. Oh, like you'll have, it's, it's, it's amazing. You'll have like these comedians, these very famous comedians coming in and they're just like working out their material Yep. and they're doing that. So when they go on the road, they've got something refined, they got something polished and they can go kick ass with their, that's it with their set. And like, that's, that's the lesson I learned is like, okay, maybe don't go to the big stage at first. Yep. Maybe start with a little stage and practice. hundred percent. What I should have done is I should have, I should have, uh, recorded a couple of NASCAR highlight shows. I mm. could have done that simply put with the DVR. Right. And I could have turned the volume down and I could have practiced. Yeah. I mean, anything would have been better than what I did. Mm. That's right. And uh, I think that's the key. So that's, that's a fun story that, that illustrates that, um, number one, be humble, be hungry. Make sure you pay your dues. Don't try to skip ahead a few steps. It's going to mm. turn into disaster. Mm. There's a reason why there's steps, right? There's a reason why we do training wheels, before we take the training wheels off and embrace that. That's the real lesson there. But then to your point, Josh, uh, you know, failure is not final. Here I I stand today, right? Because I failed a lot. Yeah. And that's part of the deal. And this is where the magic really happens. When when people listen to this story 
And, you know, they're putting themselves in your shoes and like, oh man, I would be so embarrassed. But like, they're learning from this thing that you went through where, you know, your book isn't, well, I woke up and I started winning, which is one day I looked at my (laughs) wife and I said, honey, today we're going to win. And then tomorrow I won. Yeah, it it was, it was a a series of, um, of kind of making yourself uncomfortable failures and successes. Come on. But that's really where, uh, people get the most out of, out of, uh, I, I think your book is like, it's these stories, your lessons that you learned along the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's no question that these seven stages, I, they came to me years later. Mm. Okay. So two and a half years ago, I came up with the seven stages that we now write about in the book. But all I did was is try to formulate a very simple, clear path. You know, for anybody, they want to lose weight. Uh, if they want to win in their marriage, they want to resurrect uh, something in their life. They want to go from here and there's a gap to here. What I now have learned from Dave Ramsey, one of my mentors, is that people need a clear path. They need to see that it is doable. Yeah. Can I actually climb the mountain? And the answer is you can. And so the seven stages came from one day on the beach. Um, I was struggling to come up with a clear path and I was on vacation and, and I went early to the beach before the wife and kids were up and I sat literally right on the edge of the ocean. It was just kind of trickling in on my ankles and I had my moleskin and pencil <laughs> and I asked I myself, it. Coleman, how would you describe the path to, pur- pur- to purpose and meaningful work and fulfillment to a 17-year-old kid? Mm. Mm. And I'm and I'm I'm proud to say that these are as simple as it gets. Get clear. Get qualified. Get connected. Get started. Get promoted. Get the dream job. Give yourself away. So um, it, I've lived it, and I can tell you that it works. It really works. Yeah. We have a question here from Isaiah. How do you know if your passion is strong enough to become a career you enjoy, and not something you lose passion for once it's expected of you every day? Mm, I love that. Yeah. Because oftentimes we try to turn our passion into a career. We end up killing our passion because it, it turned in, it turned from something that we love to do to mm-hmm. something now that we have to do to make money. Yes. So the way I would answer that is because I don't get to go back and forth here. Mm. So I'm used to going back and forth and digging behind that question. So I'm going to give a, an answer that's going to seem general, but it actually will allow him to apply this. First, we look at, is it, is it a full-time gig? Can it be? Mm. I, I, I don't know. So you've got full-time passion, let's call it that, work you love. Then you got side hustle. And it's just a work of love, you know? Uh, I, I tell people all the time, you can be in a day job if, you, if, if it's an okay day job, but then you're spending 20 hours a week on this true passion and it's you're, you're truly giving yourself away. It's not for money or for it's a small amount of money. I'm game with that. There is mm-hmm. no, I'm not putting people in a formula. So in this situation, he has to determine, can I turn it into a full-time gig? right? Because there's a lot of kids that show up on American Idol with a passion for music and they suck mm-hmm. and no one's going to buy their album or go see them play. Yeah. So is it a hobby? Right. Is it a side hustle or is it a full-time gig? Those are your classifications. Now, yeah. now those kids real quick, because yeah. I think this is key because you have a passion for music and it doesn't mean you have to be the singer. Maybe you can be a producer or engineer. There's something that is adjacent to that. Yeah. You know, I, I just turned 40 this year. And I, Whoa, I, you look fantastic. Well, why, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm still trying out for the Utah Jazz. I feel like I got one more year yes. that they, they might accept me, right? Yes. Now, now here's the thing. Like, if, if I was delusional and thought, well, that's the only way to then participate in basketball, 
well, then, of course, that would never work out for me. But, of mm. course, there are a million other things mm. I could do. If you wanted to be a sports journalist, yes. if you wanted to be a trainer, I, you could be a ball boy. Like Whatever yeah. it is, it, these things are adjacent to the thing you thought you wanted to do, but they, they put you in that same so atmosphere. Well, I got to tell you right now, if you weren't doing this, you could absolutely thrive in the front office. Yeah. of an oh, NBA yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. Does it, I don't question that at all. You really could. And yeah. then you would be around the game you love, mm-hmm. right? even though you're not playing it full time. Right. So the final point I was just going to make in answering this question is he's got to look at, again, can I do it full time? Is it a side hustle at best? Or is it a hobby? Yeah. What I would call a labor of love. Mm-hmm. But you've also got to say, because buried in there was a really deep question. How do I make sure that I don't lose the passion for it? And that's a really good question. Mm. And it gets back to the why. The reason we talk about this purpose statement is we go back to that because there are times where, where you might be in an awful environment. Yes. I get this call from teachers all the time. They were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Their purpose is absolutely to instruct people, maybe even young people, and they get in the school system and it becomes about standardized testing, mm. behavior issues, mm. all kinds of paperwork that they have to do. And I get this call all the time from burned-out teachers. Yeah. It's not about teaching. And they go, they question their passion. And so this is the question really here. And so what I say to that teacher is, what if I removed all that and you just could teach? Would you be calling me? And they go, no way. Right. And so I go, okay, so now let's realize what's going on. You're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Instruction Mm -hmm. in the wrong place. Yeah. Yes. So you could go corporate training. Mm -hmm. You could go to higher education. Mm -hmm. You could start a business where you're doing online education and you create your own model. Okay, so that's the thing. So what we've got to do is we always remember the why. And in those moments, I ask those teachers, why do you do what you do? Why'd you get in it? Because I love pouring into kids. I love instruction. I love creating the the lesson plan. I love delivering. I love seeing the eyeballs go off. I love mentoring the kids that are struggling. You see what I'm saying? There's there's a why there. And so to this this man, I would say you if it is truly on purpose, go back to the construct, then you might have times where you are discouraged. Right. You know, you're in a toxic environment, but your passion didn't just go up into the sky. Yeah. It's still there. It's covered up it's by the toxicity. covered up yeah. by all kinds of things, being overwhelmed. Yeah. Hello, bored. You need a new challenge. Same passion, next level challenge. So there's all those things. So if you go back, you retreat back to your why. And it's that purpose sentence mm-hmm. and you retreat to the why. And you remember, it's always going to come down to people who have a problem or a desire mm-hmm. and a solution that meets the problem or the desire. Yeah. That's always it. Get back to the why. Amen. That's beautiful. Yeah. So this reminds me of podcast, Sean, he's a English teacher and uh, in, in a previous life and all the same things you talked about, the standardized testing and, and the discipline problems and yeah. the administrative issues, et cetera. And then he worked his way into uh, corporate training mm-hmm. and it's a completely different world doing that. Now it may come with its own problems depending on the, the corporation, but it wasn't about, oh, I'm not passionate about this thing. Mm-mm. And now here's the cool part. It's like, that's one thing he's passionate about. He's also really passionate about uh, editing. And so he's a super talented editor. He edited this book, Love People Use Things. And uh, in terms of audio, he's really passionate about doing this as well. So there can be multiple passions. And you're actually making me think, Ryan, you talked about the side hustle thing earlier. Yeah. I just realized, right, it was the first time I've ever realized this. Like, we don't have a full-time hustle. We just have a bunch of side hustles. 100%. Our podcast yeah. is like, yeah. it's not a full-time thing. Our writing is not a full-time 
full-time thing. Touring is not a full-time thing, right? Mm-hmm. Even leadership or, 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 or running an organization it hasn't been a full... It's just a bunch of like five to 20-hour side hustles we've sort of cobbled together. Not one of them would, would sustain us or our team, mm-hmm. but these are individual things that we're passionate about. And we get to do like, oh, I'm still... You, know, you talked about the purpose statement earlier. I'm passionate about communicating and expression. Well, there are various vehicles that you can use to yes, do that. Yes. It's video, it's audio, it's it's writing, it's live on stage. Uh, it can be one-on-one mentoring. There are so many different things mm. that you can do that serve that passion mm-hmm. that give you that sense of purpose. That's right. Yeah. No, I thought about that too, man. How uh, the way that this would the, the the work that we do, the way it would kill my passion for what we do is if I had to think about, okay, I want to do X, but how am I going to make money from that? Mm-hmm. Like it's, that's not a question we ask before we do something. Yes. Uh, you know, we don't want to sit here and pretend that money isn't in the vehicle, but it certainly isn't in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we approach things from here's what we want to do. Here's how we want to communicate. Here's what we want to communicate. Here's how we want to communicate it. And then we focus on that. And then from there, mm-hmm. we, we realize that, okay, there's going to be a way for us to monetize this somehow. Because ultimately, when you add value to people's lives, like they're going to find a way to reimburse you. They're going to out question. Yeah. 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 yeah there's, I've got a friend who's a Jewish rabbi, and he talks about that when you serve people well, love people well mm-hmm. with your work the contribution you give them. They give you certificates of appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's Isn't that great? That's yeah. so good. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you, again, that's, you guys know this. I'm preaching money and meaning. Mm, amen. I'm preaching income and impact. Because here's the thing. When you do what you love, let's go back to these glorious men and women that deserved hero status. And those are teachers. Mm. The median salary, okay, in the United States is $60,000. dollars mm so I would suggest to you that when you are doing what you were created to do, you will make enough income. Mm. Yeah. They live, but they're also, as you know, we did the largest millionaire study in the history of the world at Ramsey Solutions. The third largest group of self-made millionaires are teachers. Yeah. How is that possible? Because they live on less than they make. It's enough income and they're yeah. investing and saving over a long period of time. So I just want to drive that message home. I'm all for income, mm-hmm. but you and oh, all three of us know people. You, that you, are seven-figure earners that are miserable. Oh, and yeah. That are broke. Oh, man. On top of that, because they're yeah. miserable. Yes. The reason they're broke is because they're miserable, and they're trying to fill the hole with the Lamborghini and the stuff and the mm. four golf memberships and three houses because they're trying to keep up with everybody else, and they got the income they see everybody else doing. They go, oh, I've got this hole in my heart, and I'm going to do this. And I would suggest to you that almost every one of them, if we were to do a deep-dive interview, they were really good at what they do. Talent is not enough. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have the passion and the mission, which is the heart, the, the equation I've been preaching, which is the foundation of everything I do, mm-hmm. is talent, passion, mission must all three be in alignment. Absent of alignment, what's missing is always the heart. Yeah. The talent is not enough. You can go make a bunch of money. You'll have affairs. You'll get into drugs. You'll go broke. I'm just telling you. Or you'll just be a cold, miserable soul. Mm-hmm. And yet you show me somebody who's got the heart engaged. The passion and the mission. See, that's all heart. Mm. That's all heart. Yeah. Well, you talked about money and meaning, but we get confused and we conflate them. And we say, oh, the it's the money that will give me some sort of meaning. If yeah. I just make a bigger paycheck, if I just have the promotion or whatever, and you know, Ryan and I will sometimes talk about when we were climbing the corporate ladder, there was a 
time where I took a job I didn't want to take because it was offered to me. It was mm-hmm. I was performing so well in this one job that I did find some purpose yeah. in. Mm. And it was, oh, it'd be career suicide. It'd be dumb not to take this promotion. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't really a promotion. It was a demotion in every meaningful way. It was Mm. a distraction. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. It distracted me. Shiny. Yes. Remember I talked about the emotions? Yeah. Looks good financially, feels good emotionally. It's a That's distraction. Right. Yeah. It's a mirage. Do you remember growing up watching Saturday morning cartoons? And I remember yeah. this great oh, yeah. scene. Daffy Duck is in the desert, right? And his mm. tongue's hanging out, dragging along the sand. And he looks up and he sees this beautiful oasis in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and his little duck legs turn into like wheels. And he's like, and he jumps up in the air and he does this beautiful Olympic swan dive. And moments before he dives into the water, what happens? disappears Gone. and he yeah. just goes beak deep into the thing in the desert god that's what happened to me yeah that's it it's a mirage it, it's a distraction yeah. yeah purpose our purpose statement allows us to, to, to delineate between the distraction uh and 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 that those promotions they're distractions that's mm. right mm. so we have a question here from april how do you reconcile a job you do that is no longer in line with your political beliefs, but is one you are good at performing? Let me take a stab at this real quick. So I think quite often our beliefs are the problem here. Why do I need a job that aligns with my, unless you're a political scientist, and even then, <laughs> it would probably make sense to take something that is that doesn't align with your beliefs. Our beliefs often get in the way of the truth. Now, maybe you're working somewhere where they're forcing you to do certain things that are outside of your values, that's a different thing. But that's not what the question is saying here. April is saying, hey, this job doesn't align with my political beliefs. Well, I don't care what you're... I mean, I can tell you this. Actually, you know our good friend, uh, your brother, TK Coleman. Come on. Uh, He... uh, He's been on the podcast nine times. We're doing some live event. In fact, maybe we could get the the brothers Coleman to do a live event together. Can I tell you awesome. right now, if he were in here, he would say yes. Yeah. We we I know seriously, yeah. I love that guy. He's a deep thinker. I'll do that in a second. Well, I, I love it. And here's the thing: we were ju- we were just on stage in it was either Nashville or Atlanta together, and we talked about hey, the three of us voted differently in the last election. Of course. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and people like panic when they're like, well, how could you possibly spend time with someone? I mean, Ryan and I, I don't know if we've ever voted for the same person right. and it's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's never even come up. No, yeah. I love you guys. Yeah. We have so much shared values. It doesn't matter who you right. voted for because oh, it really doesn't matter. Cause I actually know you guys to be very decent, great human beings that I have more in common with than I have not in common with you. That's yeah. right. I think you're making a really good point. I, I, here's what I'd say. You ready for the pithy response? Let's do it. Good luck. <laughs> good luck basing your professional career oh. on political alignment. Yeah. Oof, it's like insane. people who go to church and leave churches all the time. Good luck trying yeah. to find the perfect church. Right. What are you talking about? There's about 80 billion views of religion as well. Mm-hmm. And so good luck. You're, you're in for a very disheartening journey if you're trying to find the perfect political environment for you to do your work. I yeah. would say go back to the purpose statement because here's the deal. If you're on purpose, you know what? Be a freaking adult. 
yeah. and sit down with somebody mm. and instead of debating them, why don't you just understand them? Absolutely. Why don't you just ask yeah. them why they believe what they believe and be okay with that yeah. and go do your freaking job. Be on purpose. Make your contribution. Yeah. And in your purpose statement, there wasn't a piece of it that was like, and my political beliefs are X. Yeah. It has nothing to do with, with yeah, performing your mission. Even if we could wave a magic wand for April, and be like, here you go, poof. Like you're in a job and all yeah. your political all the political yeah. beliefs match up. Let's say we could do that. Sure. It's actually doing a disservice for April. Come on. Because she's in this bubble. She's not seeing other perspectives. So I totally agree with you. Like, look at this as an opportunity to really get to know humanity in general. I mean, I I was in Missoula, Montana. It's very easy to be in a bubble there. And uh, I, I realized at a certain point, I was like, oh, wow, like I need to seek differences of opinions mm-hmm. because that's actually going to give me a deeper understanding with people. And when you can understand people deeper, you can connect with them better. So, yeah. I would say values, yes. You need mm-hmm. to have some alignment sure. with values. Not everything, but you need to have some alignment. Your values and the company values should be in, in somewhat of alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there's a difference between values and political positions. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so I think we, we often get confused by this because we think in order to love someone, we have to convince them that our belief <laughs> is right. right. Well, that's actually the way to unlove someone. Oh, what does it mean on. to love someone? To love someone is to see them for who they are without trying to change them, without trying to force change onto them. Now, you talk about transformation a lot. Quite often, when you see them for who they are, transformation will happen. Because if they see that Ryan led with a question earlier, how might your life be better with less? When uh, Ryan first came to me and we started talking about minimalism, I didn't jump out of my seat and say, oh my God, Ryan, you got too much stuff. You've got to change this. Yeah. Mm. How receptive would he have been to that? Oh, yeah. Not Total rejection. All. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, he came to me and he was like, hey man, what's going on with you? You seem like lighter mm-hmm. lately. You seem calmer. You seem less stressed. What's going on? And, and so... It starts with understanding that why. How might your life be better with less? Or maybe for April, how might your life be better if you were able to not just tolerate, but accept, respect, and appreciate the political differences of the people around you? Mm. Slow clapping on that. It's really well said. We have one more question here from Marie. How do I bring myself to leave my job now instead of sticking it out until that perfect timing in the future? I'm good at my job, but I know it's not good for me. The stress and pace of work is not worth the salary or the perks. But the work involves future projects, so on paper, there is always a better timing in the future to leave and not now. Any perspectives or examples that leaving now is my only option? Now, Ken, I like that now is capitalized yeah. twice in now. this. Now! Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, and, 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 and it, that makes sense because you could hear it in the question. Yeah. Uh, she's asking for permission. Yes. So, yes. so shall we all give her permission? We give her permission. The time is actually now to start looking. Yeah. Do not leave until you have a replacement for your paycheck. That's my advice. 100%. I'm not a, I'm not a guy who believes in cliff diving. Right, um, yeah. uh, Unless we know that there's no rocks under the water. Yeah, or and if so, you're asked to, if you're yeah. being asked to do something immoral or oh, ethical, yeah. so she's not dealing with abuse no. or immoral or illegal behavior. That's a good point. So I want you to start looking now. The time is now to look, yeah, uh, because you need to get out of there. It's very obvious. And I would also say there is no perfect timing. So let me release you from that false narrative. Yeah. There's no perfect timing. Mm-hmm. There never is. Mm-hmm. Never has been. Mm-hmm. Never will be. However, when we position ourselves on purpose the right time always finds us. So mm. there is an active, I've, this is not right for her. It's not right. 
So I'm going to look and I'm going to look and I'm going to look for the right thing. She now knows what's wrong about this current situation. She knows what the toxicity looks like. She knows what's going on. It's unhealthy for her emotionally, mentally, probably beginning to be physically unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So we go, okay, I'm, I'm now aware and I'm armed with an experience and now I'm going to look for something else and then the right time will happen. So yes. this is an active start looking today. The time is now to leave. Yeah. It makes me think about, um, you were talking about your dad uh, teaching you how to ride a bike in that little strip of grass, right? <laughs> yes. It's like she wants to minimize as much um, risk or... Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, she wants That's to minimize, absolutely, yeah. minimize as much risk as possible. That's why you're saying, hey, it's okay to leave now, but you need to have yeah. something to uh, take take over your current paycheck. Which, by the way, Ryan, in that scenario, there's no risk. Right. Oh, no. What? Where's the risk? If and, we look for something else oh, right, that's yes. healthier, hundred percent, and we find it, and they yeah. make us an offer, we get to walk in and go, "Deuces, I'm out." Yeah, hundred percent. There's no interruption in income. Where's the risk? Yeah, where's yeah. the risk? Amen. The risk is, oh, I can't handle it anymore. I'm out today. Right, right. And we have nothing to step into. There's yes. financial risk there. Yep. And, and and so I think quite often what we think about in these scenarios, it's all or nothing. I have to quit right now and hopefully I'll land somewhere better. Yeah, that's risky. Mm. Yeah, and, and that kind of hope is going to destroy you. That's not real, the, the hope, or it, it's not empowering. The, because, yes, you can have faith. Everything is going to be okay at the end of the day. We know that. Yeah. But why not set yourself up yeah. right now instead of simply you know, jumping out of the plane with, mm. without a parachute here? Yeah, It's like Johnny Knoxville and all those idiots and jackass. I love to watch <laughs> that stuff. But, but there's a reason why they themselves call themselves jackasses. Oh, yeah. They, they kind of know, all right, I'm going to get in the ring with this bull and, and I'm going to get hurt bad. It, it, it's probably going to be okay. Mm. But why in the world would you get in the ring with a bull? Oh, man. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so now is the time to be more considerate about what are you passionate about? Where, where do your talents lie? What do you find to be meaningful? How can I contribute to the world? These are questions to ask yourself, and they're highly individual. That's what I like about the book. It, when you're in, in, in From Paycheck to Purpose, you're not talking about here's what you must do specifically. It's like, here are the questions you ask for you. Mm-hmm. What is appropriate for you? Because the thing that Ryan is passionate about, may, Podcast Sean may not be passionate about at all, and Alabama might not be passionate about that either. Now, there can be some overlap there, mm-hmm. but his passion isn't hers and That's vice it. versa. Mm. And so being able to identify that, getting clarity there, it allows you to move forward in a way that, this isn't the risk. What is the risk? Not taking any action. Mm-hmm. The risk is just staying there in, in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to make you miserable. Your expectations are going to continue to increase. Oh, it's going to get better someday. It's not, that someday is never going to come. Mm. The risk is working without meaning. Yeah. The average American will spend 90,000 hours at work in their lifetime. Wow. And... The studies show conclusively that a man or a woman who doesn't experience meaning in their work, purpose, it has a negative effect on their relationships. It just does. You just think about going to work on a Monday morning, anxiety, misery, up to here, and you haven't even gotten out of the car. Mm -hmm. And you're going to do that five days a week, 40 plus hours a week, and you're telling me that's not going to have an impact on your family? Yeah. on your relational purpose. Yeah. You have a job that eh, you don't have any of those emotions I described, but it's just kind of boring 
and by 11 a.m. you are waiting for somebody to post something on Facebook because you've refreshed and refreshed and refreshed and you're bored out of your skull. You're telling me that you're not susceptible to some dangerous distractions and that's not going to impact your family. See, I have relational purpose and I have professional purpose. My relational purpose is I'm a husband to Stacy. I'm a dad to Ty, Chase, and Josie. I'm a son to Ken and Barbara. I'm a brother to Jamie. I'm a coworker to all the people at Ramsey Solutions. That's my relational purpose. But if you are miserable or you lack meaning, here's the slippery slope. Yeah, my job doesn't matter that much. Can't wait for Friday. Drink mm. my face off at happy hour. Mm. Sleep it off on Saturday. Do as much as I can on Saturday, Sunday, and then Sunday night. Oh, geez, I got to get myself up for another week of this mundane or miserable. Okay, now watch what happens. I start to think my job doesn't matter. Maybe I don't matter. Mm, now we're talking depression. We're talking suicide. This is rampant, folks. Yeah. And I'm not trying to bring us down. I'm just saying, if you are trying to separate purpose in your work from purpose in your relationships in life, you're missing it. It has a profound effect. You're dragging that crap home? Mm. You think you can pep yourself up in the garage? Psh. Toxicity at work will certainly bleed into toxicity at home. Yeah. Tweet that podcast, Sean. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, thank Ken Coleman. You can check out his yeah. new book. It's called From Paycheck to Purpose, The Clear Path to Doing Work You Love. You can also check out The Ken Coleman Show. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. And he has a career assessment on his website. Let's put a link to that in the show notes as well. Ken, I want to acknowledge you and say yeah. thank you for uh, for being here today, brother. Thanks. I love you guys. We love you, man. I really do. Thanks for having Keep me. Keep up the great work, man. I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Hold right, me so. accountable to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet. We'll meet again in twenty years and reminisce. About yes, I want that. I want old man Joshua, Ken, and Ryan reminiscing. Yes. I love that. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, you may see him on the road with us. We're going to work that out. Yeah. All right, y'all. Love people. Use things. We'll see you soon. Thank you, patrons. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it